create that fleet of soldiers out there, you know, put that money to work. So live within your means, pay down your debt, but also put your money to work for you. This is the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Guys show with Matt and Dr. Iggy, helping you achieve peak health and financial freedom so that you can live a long, vibrant life on your own terms. And now, here are your hosts, Matt and Dr. Iggy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, Wise Guys show. My name is Matt, and here is my co-host and partner in crime, or at least partner in podcasting, Dr. Iggy. How are you today, brother? We can say crime. We can say crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, only, awesome. the only crime I commit is running is maybe I run a stop sign or maybe I speed a little bit every here and again. Well, let's that's not about do it, brother. I'm a pretty boring dude, there. man. What's that? <laughs> let's not mention that on the podcast, the airwaves now. Yeah, I know, right? Don't, don't be mailing me a speeding ticket. You did 60 yeah. and a 55, Matt. How are you today, brother? I, I, I am fantastic because I am so excited to share this episode with everybody it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I got one of my mentors. I don't think he realized he was my mentor. We could call it my male crush, boy crush, whatever you want to call it. I tell it. you what. Yeah. It yeah. was there. I was I, could, I felt it. I felt it. I, I, I think he did too. Yeah. I, it, Dr. Marcostas was phenomenal. He was a great interview. Um, I got from this conversation uh, that, that he was uh that what he's put out is really, I mean, I get that he's done, he's done this for dentists or those in the dental practice for now as the, for dentalpreneur and all that. And he's, you know, created a lot of difference in people's lives, but the principles he goes over in this show are, are accessible for everyone, right? Everyone yes. can learn from what he had to talk about. Cause this is about living life. This is about like being effective, in life and about, you know, doing things the right way when you wake up in the morning and about, about doing things the right way when you energetically and about acting on purpose and stuff like that. I mean, this is, we talked about the dental world, but it's well, the conversation is well beyond that. So, so true. I yeah. mean, I, the thing I love about him is the, the humility that he has mm -hmm. and, and the fact that he's willing to share his mistakes. Yeah. And yeah. very, very few, not very few, but real successful people will. Mm -hmm. But when you're on that borderline, they, a lot of people hide their mistakes. He shows them. He'll, he'll tell you. Yeah. And, and he's like a real, real person and a great doctor. Great. I, I was just so happy. I, I, I'm yeah. Anybody that tells you they're infallible or doesn't want to talk about their mistakes at all, I would run the other way, man. I mean, but, uh, but Dr. Marcostas was not. Uh, not like that. I mean, willing to talk about what, where he was and where he's at, you know, and, um, and I really got a lot out of this. So uh, looking forward to, uh, to have everybody check out the interview. But before we go there, uh, Dr. Iggy, before we do it, before we do it, you got to do it. Get me healthy, buddy. Get All me right. Healthy. We're going to do it. We yeah. are going to do it. So I was talking about back problems, but I wanted to mention, cause now we're, it is one of the supplements that I almost always take. Now there's never an always, but there's an almost always. And I try to top off my magnesium levels because that's something in the developed world that most people are low in. Magnesium is a mineral. And it, it, when we eat a lot of grains, 
it's depleted in magnesium. Magnesium is usually in leafy greens and in nuts, and we don't eat enough of them. If we eat nuts, they're usually roasted, fried, or whatever else, even though they say dry roasted. It's destroying the... the. Anyways, I'm going down a total rabbit hole kind of Go. thing. Yeah. But magnesium is one of the most powerful, powerful things. Now, if you take too much of it, I'm going to give the fair warning, you will get disaster pants. You will be running to the toilet. Oh. So that's how you know. You just keep taking it until that happens, and then you dial it back a little bit. Believe right? it or not, that's the best way to treat it. <laughs> so it's right at that fine balance. So if, you, yeah. if you're if you getting into some discomfort, it, it's, uh, it's a little too much. Now, one of the things that it works great against is anxiety, stress, nervousness, because a lot of times those things, you're burning up a lot of magnesium. Because it, magnesium acts as a cofactor, you need it for all these reactions in your body. And if you're low in it, what ends up happening is you, you burn it up and then you don't have enough of it. Your blood pressure goes up, your stress level goes up, and actually your insulin or the ability to pull glucose into your body actually it does spike up, but it doesn't allow the 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 glucose to actually go into your muscle cells and, and into your cells. So what ends up happening is you raise your uh, blood glucose levels. Not good. So high blood glucose levels and high blood pressure. What ends up happening? That's not a good uh, combination. That's a that could be a heart attack waiting yeah, to happen. So is. that's why I take magnesium, and I also use magnesium not only taking it by mouth. Is you thought I was going to say put it in the other end, but I wasn't. I, I wasn't. You were waiting for that. That's why you're giving me the look. I only I know you, brother, and I know that I, you've I know you've I, gone there. And I was like, hey, what if, what happens if I put it here? Right? Okay, keep going. What do you got? So I spray it on transdermally, so it'll go through oh. the skin. That's why an Epsom salt bath works really well. Like sitting in those magnesium salts work really, really well. Is there magnesium in Epsom yes. salt? Yes. Oh. Not sea salt, but the Epsom salt. Yeah. Yes. And so then it's very calming. Like after you come out, you feel really, really calm. And that's one of the best factors of magnesium. And I love that. Now, there's different kinds to take via mouth. The magnesium citrate, or there's a calm brand. That one I used to take. The problem with that is one, it's very acidic because they make it acidic. So then you absorb it better. And also, so it tastes better. If you take that one, that's fine, but just know that it could damage your teeth, number one. And number two, that one, if you take too much, you really will be running to the toilet. Like, I mean, you're talking about explosiveness like you've never seen before. Looking forward to that. Looking forward Ask to me how I know. Magnesium. Ask me right. how I know. Yeah, right. And, right, right. and that's why. So I kept playing with brands. The one that works the best for me, and I'm not selling a brand. I don't get anything from this. I buy this on Amazon, but this mag, I'm scared to say it because if we have so many listeners that I'm scared that they're going to buy up my supply, but I'm willing to share it for the sake of your health. You're so only allowed to buy one battle. So say it, Dr. Iggy. Yeah, so this brand I really like. It's from Jigsaw Health, but it's uh, magnesium, uh, dimagnesium malate. And this one works the best for me. And the servings are, you know, four tablets and it's slow release. So it doesn't, because they put so many binders and stuff in it, that it, it releases slower and then it can go into your bloodstream faster and you're not getting the explosiveness that you do with other Every time I brands. talk to Dr. Iggy, I find myself on Amazon buying a new supplement. So I, uh, I, 
I, I might have to check out some magnesium my, myself, Iggy. And and for those uh, those listening, uh, check it out. And also go to mattniggy.com uh, to check out some other stuff that Dr. Iggy has out there, health-wise, health tips that you guys may want to check out. So And so why don't you give us the awesome explosive wealth tip now? <laughs> nice. Now that you've got us healthy and then living a long, long, peaceful life with magnesium in our bloodstreams, I'm going to teach you how to be a little more prosperous. Um, today is an interesting conversation. Um, this one is, is a term that gets thrown around a lot. I'm going to give a brief definition of it. And the term is EBITDA, right? Oh, yeah. E-B-I-T-A. Uh, and you hear a lot of folks talk about EBITDA uh, that are t- that are evaluating a business. And EBITDA stands for earnings before interest, tax, and, uh, and amortization. Okay? Earnings before tax and amortization. Okay? Now, what that means is uh, a business, be that a uh, dental business, right, Dr. Ooh, Ricky? That's uh, a good one. Or any company, any company that, that sells anything, they're just, just not, it sells anything, just any company, a consulting firm or a, a lemonade stand has EBITDA, okay? Um, and what that means is the, if you look at, if you look at a company, they have top line revenue, if money coming in the door and that's through glasses of lemonade that it's sold or teeth that it yanked out of people's mouths or cars that it's sold or real estate that it leased. Okay. Whatever it is, um, it has revenue on the top side and then it's got expenses. And those are things like payroll, um, and, uh, whatever rent mortgage, whatever it's got, it's, it's got, um, it's got, oh, wait, not the mortgage. I'm sorry. Um, it's no, forget I said that. It's got uh, payroll. It's got uh, insurance and 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 uh, overhead for its offices, which could be rent that it's paying and stuff like that. All it it pays all those things out. Uh, and then it's got a, a line item and that's technically the profit. And you can look at this as like, this is the profit. If I own the company free and clear and I didn't have to pay any income tax and I was, I didn't have any debt service on the property. That's how much money I would make. And the reason why I stop at that number is because the, the EBITDA calculation allows me to compare businesses without considering how much debt they have on them. Right. So I can oh, yeah. look at Dr. Iggy's dental practice and look at the dental practice that's in the next town over and determine which one is more profitable. Right. Well, he's making a hundred thousand a year in EBITDA. That one down the street's making 150,000 in EBITDA. Well, that's interesting. Let's look at that a little closer and figure out why that is. Right. The reason why it's bef- so that's before income tax, uh, before income, before uh, interest. Right, so that's before interest you may pay on your uh, on on your loans or interest you might have to pay. And the reason why you don't you want to take that out is, as I said, is companies can have different different variables of debt. Right, so the interest you pay on that debt should get coming out. It should come out because a company the, the amount of debt that a company has is going to get evaluated uh, separately. Right, you don't determine that in profitability. The next thing is uh, taxes. Now that is not real estate tax. Uh, yeah, Dr. I mean, that, that is not real estate tax. That is, if you own the building your dental practice is in, right, you need to factor in the real estate tax as part of your EBITDA calculation. If you're running that prac- that real estate ownership through your practice, if it's not paying, because some, some people will get a little funky, well, they'll have LLC number one, that is the dental business, renting from LLC number two, that dentist Joe Smith or Jane Smith owns themselves. They own both of them uh, and they're just paying, you know, you want to get slick, that's kind of how you do it, where you pay yourself rent at, at from one LLC to the other, right? Now, if you're not doing that, then the, the real estate tax is included in the EBITDA calculation, but what you pay in income tax is not 
right? Included in, in the EBITDA calculation. And the last thing is amortization. Now, obviously, for those of you guys that, that do a lot of debt and financial studying, uh, as I do, amortization simply means you paying down debt. So uh, any solid fiscal person would understand if I have a mortgage, I'm going to pay a thousand a month in interest, and maybe hopefully another thousand to pay down that debt, because I want to remove it. I want to pay it off eventually, whether that's credit card debt, or whether that's home mortgage debt, whatever it may be, I'm going to amortize that debt and pay it down over time. Fairly clear that that should not be an EBITDA as well, because that's simply just reducing the principal on your debt. So EBITDA is how much you made in the door, your, your revenue, minus just the operating expenses of the company, that spits out a number. And businesses are bought and sold based on that number, uh, multiples of that number in, in, in business. You could sell a business at a 2x or a 10x or a 20x EBITDA. And that's just simply a number. So if the EBITDA is $100,000, it sells at 2x, it's two times the EBITDA of the company. So I'll write you a check for $200,000 for your company that generates $100,000 a year in EBITDA, right? How did I do, Dr. Iggy? How was that? Fantastic. That was the so my man that definition EBITDA of EBITDA. All the time. That's why I love it. I Thanks. love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Who you. talks about EBITDA? Except for this show, right? Except for this show. People talk about EBITDA all the time. They it's, do. It's they a just mention it. term to throw out. In my real estate world, people drop out, oh, CapEx, no, cap rate, no, no, you know. It, it, it's it's like uh, it's like you can play finance BS bingo, you know. It's like oh, he said I, I got him in a row. I got EBITDA, I got cap rate, I got you know, I, I got NOI, I got loss to lease, I got debt yield. Hey, boom, bingo, right? But people just like to throw these words out without really understanding what they mean, and it's fun, and you can sound smart knowing what you know throwing. That's what it is. Out. It's sounding smart. It is, but it's not being smart until you actually understand what the, what these things actually are and why people throw them out so much and why it is such a topic of conversation. Because in EBITDA, if you're building a business, Dr. Iggy, if you're trying to sell that business one day, EBITDA, increasing your EBITDA could eventually increase the, set, the price you sell the company for many years later. Oh, uh, yeah. So EBITDA is a thing, man. It is a monitorable thing that you should- I like that. Thang. A thang. Thang. Yeah. Is that a new word, thang? No, it's just it's it's a southern tenny word. I throw some southern twang in every here and again, (laughs) Doctor Iggy. I still say y'all. I say y'all all the time. Do you say y'all right? Y'all, no. I say water. Water. You say water or water? No, water. Water. I wouldn't dare say water. Oh my god, I wouldn't dare. Yeah, I have a hoagie. <laughs> I wouldn't dare do any of that. No, 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 no. I've, is I it a this, hoagie I, or I have, I have the south in my veins. Is it a sub or a hoagie? Man. What's that? Is it a sub or a hoagie? I I probably would not call it a, a sub. I probably would say a hoagie. Yeah, I'd say a hoagie, but I wouldn't call it a hoagie, you know. I, I wouldn't go there with it, you know. Um, yeah, but- It's uh, been a long yeah. time since I had either one of those. What's that? It's been a long time since I've had a sub or a hoagie. Yeah, well, I can't anymore. I got right, that, that whole celiac thing. Well, going, you so. can. You just need the appropriate material to eat. And I Jersey, say material because I don't know if it's actual food. Yeah, it is classic, eating. right? Yeah. Jersey Mike's makes a, we would, they just opened one by my house, has a gluten-free uh, hoagie that you can get. Uh, and that it's like three dollars more, which is total highway robbery. Like, let's fleece the people that have <laughs> the, the you know. making the fake bread, right? Yeah, I know. Give them the plastic bread, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so that is EBITDA, guys, and that is hoagies, and that is uh, that is y'all. And what did I say? Thang. There you go. Thang. There you go. There's your thang. 
All right, guys, that's what we got today. Let's jump into today's interview. David, uh, I, I know this, uh, that Dr. Mark Costas is a, is a, you're a big fan of his, and I really appreciate you making it happen. I'll tell you that personally. I appreciate you helping make it happen to bring him to the show. He has an enormous following um, on his podcast, The the Dentalpreneur, as is the way you can find out more about him. And he gives us contact information for all of his stuff at the end. But uh, this is a phenomenal interview, uh, Dr. Iggy, and I sure appreciate you helping make it happen. Dr. Mark Costas, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm honored. It, it no, is an honor. We're the ones you. who are honored. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Uh, I just want, if oh, I you may, go. you've been you're, geeking so out excited. a little bit about having a, so you, you have a doctor crush on Dr. Mark Costas. <laughs> I so, so do. I would I like so for do. you, from your heart, to introduce Dr. Mark Costas to our audience, please. First off, my heart is pounding right now because we got <laughs> Dr. Mark Costas on the show. Oh, this geez. is incredible. Uh, Dr. Mark Costas, I mean, y- you have the premier, I think, podcast out there, the Dentopreneur podcast. That gave me personally such inspiration when I was in a dark time in dentistry, gave me motivation, gave me excitement, gave me, it, it just gave me passion again. And, and the passion to think not just about dentistry, but the but the world, my family, everything, and it opened me up. So, thank you, thank you for being on the show. Um, I'm I'm selling you short by just talking about the podcast. You have so much more to offer everybody, and you are such a wonderful human being. If you can give everyone, you know, like a, it's going to be impossible, but a thirty second intro on who you are if they don't already know who you are. Sure, sure. Um, it all started back in. No, just kidding. I, I'm not going to go all the way. I'm not going to go that <laughs> back far back. To my birthday. Back to- <laughs> I'll listen to the whole thing I again. Years ago, it was a gloomy uh, April day, Poughkeepsie, <laughs> New York. Um, no, uh, thank you so much, you guys. I, I really appreciate the the opportunity to 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 be on a different show. This is fun. I've done over 1,200 episodes for the Dentalpreneur podcast, so we're mostly speaking to entrepreneurs and dentists. That is my passion. It's a five day a week podcast. We get between 125 and 175,000 uh, downloads per month, between six and 8,000 people per day listen to the podcast. So that is something that has really changed the trajectory of my career. I am a practicing dentist too. I've owned 16 dental practices. I founded a company called uh, the Horizon, uh, the Horizon um, Dental Group is my, is, my, is my group of dental practices. Um, I also uh, founded a company called the Dental Success Institute, which is my coaching and consulting company. We work with high-level dentists to get them to what we call black belt level status, where they have uh, a minimum of 20% uh, EBITDA um, and have a systemization score of what we call 80% or greater and uh, a leadership score of 80% greater and a cultural assessment that that hovers in, in the 90 to 100 range. And we have different assessments for all of that stuff. Um, we actually do award real black belts. In fact, at, at our upcoming event, uh, we get people up on stage and we give them a black belt. And we have uh, we have about 37 black belts now. Uh, when the average overhead in the United States for a dental practice is 68 to 72 percent, um, our black belts are 50 uh, percent overhead or lower. Wow. Um, so that's what we really focus on is getting people to the next level as far as business. But the personal life stuff is really big for what we do as well. Uh, we focus on what we call the four futures, mind, meaning, muscle, and money. Um, I have lots of examples in my own personal life when I when I let that get out of whack and I was focusing primarily on the um, financial and money side of things. And I let the rest of my life kind of um, suffer, the rest of my relationships and my personal health, et cetera, suffer. So that's a big part about what we coach. 
And then the other passion that I have um, is just chasing my three teenage boys around, 17, uh, 14, and almost 13. And I have beautiful wife, Leslie, two Yorkies here in Prescott, Arizona. And that's that's me. That was way more than 30 seconds. I'm sorry. No, but that was incredible. <laughs> I, I don't know how you you summarized it that quickly. That That's why you and Matt are the, the masters of, of that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, so one of the things that I always wanted to ask you, and I think you go over it on some of the shows, is your morning routine or your perfect morning routine. I, I know you wake up early. You wake up early even if you were on the East Coast on, on your time. So yeah. it, if you could go over your ideal morning routine, what jazzes you up, what, how you jump out of bed, I'm sure you jump out of bed. Yeah. I think, you know, it's either a curse or a blessing, but um, Matt, you were t- just talking about David Goggins. It's funny. Um, yeah. He is, he has such a regimented routine. I did a, uh, I was at a mastermind meeting um, in New York a, a few months back. And uh, one of my friends has a full size CrossFit gym in his garage. He's a 5,000 square foot garage. <laughs> and cross and full size CrossFit gym and indoor basketball court, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so excited! I want you to hook up with some of my CrossFit friends in my home gym. It's a five o'clock workout, kind of like what you do back home. And I know you get up early anyway. That's cool. So we go to dinner. We get home at eleven o'clock the night before, which is eight o'clock for me. No big deal. But the five o'clock workout was two o'clock in the morning for me, and oh, uh, you know, because I, I flew over from the West Coast, so I'm there. It's it's it feels like two. But, you know, it's five o'clock in New York and we got through that workout. It was exhilarating. But um, but yeah, just a little side note about about waking up early. But back. Sorry, this is me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a full cup of coffee in me. I have I have ADD. So this is how my podcasts always go. But anyway, um, back to your question, Iggy. Yes. Uh, when when we developed the four futures, myself and my great friend, Alistair McDonald, we intentionally put those four quadrants together because we realized that if you could master those four quadrants, you know, your ability to handle stress, um, your ability to have some sort of a mindfulness routine where you can control your emotions and there is a gap between, you know, a, a stimulus in your life and your reaction to it, your life would significantly improve. And then the meaning quadrant, what is, what are you on the earth for? Right. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? How are your personal relationships? How are your work relationships? Um, you know, uh, what is the legacy that you're going to leave? How are you making the world better? That's the meaning quadrant. Um, the muscle quadrant obviously is your personal health, um, what you put into your body, the fuel that you put into your body and your habits. Um, that's not just exercise, that's a big part of it, but it's also sleep and it's also the amount of movement that you get. It's also the type of environment that you're in every day. Is it fluorescent lights with no windows? Um, how often are you getting outside? How much movement are you getting? Are, are, are your feet touching, you know, the ground ever? Or is it always with, you know, with, with wingtips on? And then of course, um, money. And it's funny, what we found out is when we started our coaching group a decade ago, we were only focusing on the money quadrant, the business quadrant, the money quadrant. How can we get you more profitable? How can we add more zeros and commas to your bank account? And we realized that we are creating little mini um many marks, you know, all the mistakes that I had made when I let, when I let things get um, out of balance, we were creating a bunch of people that had the same problems that I had, that I was, that that I was trying to work through. So we, we, we factored in the four futures into that. And um, it turned out that when people started focusing on the other three quadrants first, fixing their mindfulness, doing a little bit of guided meditation, fixing their relationships, spending more time with their family and, and, uh, uh, scheduling that into their their daily schedule 
working out, moving more, putting good fuel into their body, getting good sleep, decreasing the amount of um, you know exposure to alcohol and and junk food. All of a sudden, it was much much easier for them to to explode in the financial quadrant, in in the money quadrant. Hmm. So my morning routine, ridiculously long answer to what you asked me. My morning routine. Keep on going. I try to check off uh, a plus one in all of my quadrants before I leave the house. So I get up about 4.30 in the morning every day, uh, whether or not um, it's the weekend or not. And this is never with an alarm clock. It's just automatic. It's just my circadian rhythms. I I have the ability to to, um, hit the day running with five or less hours of sleep. I try to get at least six. Um, But 4.30 in the morning, it starts. I get up. I have my four futures journal, which is right here. I can tell you that it is, this is crazy, but this is what any given day looks like for me. It's just, just journaling like crazy, you know, Hmm. inside my journal always starts with gratitude. Um, How am I going to focus on my mindful quadrant for the day? I get about usually 10 minutes of guided meditation plus the journaling. So I get a check in the mindfulness quadrant right away. The meaning quadrant. The meaning quadrant to me is how am I going to design and engineer my legacy for my kids and to make the profession and the world a better place. So a little bit of reflection on that, but also how can I make my personal relationships, my work relationships, my team relationships better? So once I figure that out, I jot down something that I commit to doing that day, check in that in that quadrant. Next, I head down to my home gym. I get at least 25 minutes of cardio. And then I know Iggy's laughing at me. 25 minutes. That's my no, not I, workout. No, I've changed. <laughs> that's all I, I get, I've brother. Changed. I've changed <laughs> because I got hurt and because of listening to people like you. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be long and slow. It doesn't have to be long and slow. It just has to be hard and intense. And then I have a full gym. I I, I get under heavy weights. I pick up heavy things. I put down heavy things um, for about another 20 minutes. And then I go into my um, my sauna. I have a sauna in in uh, in in our wine cellar, hit that for about 30 minutes, come back up, take a freezing cold shower and I'm out the door. That's my, that's my morning routine. Well, freezing cold shower in Arizona. So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. What are that's we talking true. About? Right. It's 70 degrees. Water, yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. When I put it all the way to the left and that's supposed to be degrees, as cold as they right. get, that's probably like, I don't know, 63, 64 degrees, right? People from the East Coast always laugh at me. Uh, they're well, like, it depends when. If it's the summertime out here, yeah, it, yeah. it's pretty warm, the shower. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. amazing stuff. And, and I think that that although a lot of what you've put out there is, is you know, you're speaking uh, to, to the, to, you know, the, the successful dentist uh, <laughs> is who a lot of your uh, folks that you that you work with and you, that you mastermind with and mentor. Um, but everything you just talked about could be used for anybody. I'm not a dentist. I'm an, I'm a real estate entrepreneur. Right. And I mm-hmm. uh, could benefit a lot of my life from everything you talked about. And as could anybody listening, you don't have to be a dentist to do these things. You know, it's like, Oh, only dentists should take cold showers, you know, or only dentists should, you know, go for a run in the morning or whatever. It's just, uh, what I, what I love what you said, it is a good way to start the day and to create, uh, positive intentions. And, and I've learned a lot of this from Dr. Iggy. You probably learned a lot of it from you um, and, and, uh, and starting my day under the right mindset and the right physical, um, with, with the right amount of physical fuel in my tank, you know, meaning like a cold shower. I've been doing cold showers since, since I met Dr. Iggy. And I've been looking to move my body every morning. And so those of you guys listening, uh, just because you're not a dentist doesn't mean you're excluded from doing everything that Dr. <laughs> Dr. Mark just talked about. So, um, so we'll, we'll get back to those things. But I'd like to, uh, in, unless you were, 
my bet is you weren't born with these things in your brain, right? Uh That you would have figured this stuff out and that. So can you tell me, tell us a little bit about the journey you went through to discover, (laughs) to have these breakthroughs that you've obviously, you know, a lot of us tried life different ways. Oh, oh, that doesn't work. Let me try this. That doesn't work. And so eventually you figured it out, right? To where a lot of these things do work. Can you tell us a little bit about your life before you had these breakthroughs and and epiphanies on on how to live this high high level intense life that you're living now? Sure, sure. So I'm a first generation American. I was the first Costas to be born on US soil. I'm very Mm -hmm. proud of my my parents for the sacrifices that made, they made to come to the United States. My dad was a typical immigrant story, 150 bucks in a suitcase and made a great life. He was an electrical engineer for IBM. So we moved around a lot, um, mm. New York, Colorado, Arizona, California. Um, and it, it was very, very early on in, in life that they realized that I was I was a troublemaker, right? They thought that there's something was wrong with me, right? I couldn't, for some reason, this nine and 10 year old kid with all this energy couldn't sit there and focus for seven hours in a classroom. You know, I'm very, very open with my kids uh, and I allow them grace when they say, I just can't do it, dad, because it was not, I could not do it. So, but I made myself do it and my parents made me do it because, you know, in, in, in our household, it was like you were going to be a you know a doctor, an MD, or a physician. You know, it was like you're going to be one of those three things or an engineer. So um, they wanted to make sure that I was that that I was staying on the straight and narrow. But that bubbled up. That frustration uh, bubbled up into a lot of negative ways, right? I, I I acted out, and there was a lot of physical altercations. Let's just say mm. um, with my other classmates because I didn't know how to express this frustration. Um, and, you know, after several um, calls from the pres- from the principal's office and several coming home with black eyes and fat lips and bloody knuckles, my mom finally realized, hey, this kid has extra energy. Maybe he's not a bad kid. Maybe we just need to burn this off somehow. So, you know, before I was in sixth grade, I was in martial arts classes. And, uh, and as soon as I got into that sort of structure, something that I was actually interested in that I could focus in, everything else in my in my mind and in my world just calmed down. Hmm. Um, by the time I was in seventh grade, I was um, a wrestler. I was playing tackle football. Um, I was a baseball player and I was a martial artist traveling around the United States for different tournaments, et cetera. And that changed everything about my life. And uh, I was finally able to focus. I, when I had something that I was interested in, I would at least be able to daydream about that when I was in class and draw pictures of, you know, football players or, you know, obsess about something else besides sitting there, you know, listening about, you know, U.S. and world history and, and, and all the silliness that they try to make uh, poor kids with ADD sit there and listen to in school these days. So uh, that was a turning point for me. Um, when I was 15 years old, I bumped into this old beat up copy of this book that I found in my dad's study. It was dog eared and, and folded in half and, and it was, it, the pages were falling out. It was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's an old classic, but man, it was the first book that ever really spoke to me. Um, I read it from cover to cover at 15 years old. And that opened up this world, this obsession with personal development, with my interest in entrepreneurship. And at 15 years old, I decided that I was going to be a millionaire, um, how naive that was. And I decided that I was never going to work for anybody else. Well, at least for my career, I was never going to be, never going to work for anybody else. 
So that just set my course on, you know, a, a lifetime of personal development, of journaling, of uh, reading anything I could get my hands on in as far as psychology and um, peak performance and uh, making money. I, I love real estate, Matt. I, I love real estate and real estate investing. I love the stock market and finding out how those markets work. Um, and, you know, that, that was, that's what changed everything. But when I was 16 years old, you know, I still didn't know exactly what it looked like. It was going to be the founder of something. And then when I was 16 years old, I was playing in my very first varsity baseball game, um, a, a shot that came out to left field. I was a left fielder, turned both shoulders and sprinted towards the ball. I was going to play it off the fence, um, but ended up colliding with the fence instead and broke my jaw, several missing and avulsed teeth. Um, there's a great picture of it that that was in the, the newspaper um, of, of my coach and three of my um, teammates looking for my teeth in the grass. Um, so that was the first time ever that, 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 uh, dentistry popped onto my radar and upon more, um, upon more research, I realized that that was the medical field where you could flex a little bit of your entrepreneurial spirit. Right. So for me, it was multiple practices, potentially, you know, I was thinking back then I was like, oh, maybe I could develop products and, and sell them. Uh, maybe I could, maybe I could teach people to, to be better clinicians. I didn't know, maybe I could own multiple practices. I didn't know exactly what that looked like, but the people that put my face back together really inspired me. I wanted a piece of that. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then I had this basic um, desire to, um, to, to utilize my own personal benefits and, you know, what my parents had, had, had uh, sacrificed to give me, I wanted to make sure that I made the, the most of my life. So those are the, the driving forces behind what I do now. Yeah, that's powerful. One of the things that, that I saw in, in seeing you live, because I went to the podcast, like I go with everybody uh, that I listen to, I want to meet them in, in real life. And I saw your energy was real. You were a real person. It wasn't fake. It was, you're, st you're a good person in real life as well as the podcast. And I just Thanks. wanted to confirm that. I don't know why in the back of my head, I like confirming these kind of things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. how do you raise your energy? I know you do that in the morning it, I, and, and you talked about, it, you know, as a child, but you're no longer a child. Mm -hmm. And so how do you bring that energy and how do you lift yourself, especially going out in front of all these people, all these people that uh, they, they love you as much as I do, and they're super excited to see you. How do you bring that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it's, you know, for people that have attention issues, um, they have to learn, and, and this hyperactivity, your brain is, it's hard to explain. Um, I was never officially diagnosed, by the way, but I mean, it's, I think it's clear. All of my friends that are psychologists and psychiatrists are like, dude, you're like, you're like ADD, ADHD 101. You're like, you are, okay? You don't have to have like it written down somewhere you are. You're so, talking to two others, by the way. <laughs> right. I think most entrepreneurs, Mark, are. It, yeah. You know, yeah. Just, and I think that it, it's a certain way that it takes multitasking, curiosity about different things yes, and yes, yes. Um, the, the ability to kind of just change gears quickly and, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of sell when you need to and sit yeah. tight when you need to and all that. So yeah. I, um, and also to take risks perhaps uh, are, are a part of it. So yeah, I, I I, I believe that a lot that a good entrepreneur has got a healthy blend of a little bit of ADHD. In oh, there, Matt, so. I, I totally, I totally agree. <laughs> um, but to Aggie's point, to, 
you know, you have to be able to harness that and direct it in a positive yes. way. And the, the, the people that have our affliction, I call it a gift, but the people that have our gift and are able to channel that in a positive direction have a, have a huge advantage over the rest of the marketplace. Right. And I've just, I, I don't know how, but I've just learned to harness that in a positive direction. And um, there's nothing that lights me up more than being in front of people talking about the things that I want to talk about. Right. So I will go to, you know, um, earlier this year, I was, I was in New Jersey uh, doing a small group lecture to, you know, 30, 30 docs. And I'm, I'm as excited talking to 30 people as I am 3000. Um, and you, it's, it's not fake. It's not, it's not caffeine based. This is just, this is doing what I love to do in front of people that I want to meet and interact with talking about stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah. So that's, that's why, you know, 1200 episodes of the podcast, people are like, wow, what a great accomplishment. It's like, I would be miserable if I wasn't doing it. It's not, I don't think it's an accomplishment. I think it's therapy. I think it's necessary. It's necessary. This is what I got to do. You know, I have to do it. Yeah. 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 I, I think that, um, it's when you love that you're doing, you love, when you're doing something you love, it's one of those times you kind of like forget what time it is. You kind of just get in the zone. It's like, I could do this for 12 hours. You know, guys like yeah. Tony Robbins or whatever. He's not doing that because it's his job. He's doing that because he loves it. And you say, Tony has been on stage for five, six hours at a time. It's like, when's the guy eat? When's he go to the bathroom? Is, Seriously. You know, he, all of that goes aside. Those are just physical needs. He's meeting a, like a, like a, perhaps a spiritual calling he has, uh, yeah. um, like, like a true purpose. And a lot of your physical things kind of fall away when you're at that level and that. So I would, uh, it's, I'm, I'm hearing the same thing from you in that, like, this is just what I'm called to do. And so, yeah, you know what, being hungry, uh, energy levels, being tired or whatever, all that becomes secondary when you're truly living on purpose. hundred percent. You know, that's yeah. You, mm -hmm. you nailed it. You nailed mm -hmm. it, man. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> so changing gears, uh, you're, why you tell us why dentistry for you? And I mean, geez, I, I hope that that's not the epiphany moment that other people have to why dentistry. I hope David, you have teeth knocked out to become a dentist yourself, David. But um, that's a phenomenal moment for you for your. My transition. neighbor knocked out his tooth. The same. That's what I said. I follow his path. It wasn't me, but it was yeah. right in front of me. A lacrosse ball. He threw it up in the air. Oh yeah. Watching it, and I'm watching it, and he, and the sun glares in it. Boom! You've lost the tooth right in front. Yeah. Of Lacrosse uh, balls are no joke. Oh, yeah, no, they're, no, they're not. Hard freaking yeah. balls. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, why we're mouth guards. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So there is so there and there and there is the lesson, right? Um, so why I wanted to touch on something real quick. You know, a lot of today's show when it, you know, we should really folk be focusing on health and energy and mindset. But now that I got two dentists in the room here, let me ask a question. Go for it's, it. It's hard for a, a we my company works with a lot of doctors. Um uh, 30% of, of my company's investor base are medical professionals. So I talked to a ton of docs. The dentists are the, are the few that I talk to that are truly able to scale and sell a business and really talk about things like EBITDA and things like that. You don't hear cardiologists talking about that. You don't hear, um, you, they can, but it's not as prevalent, right? So mm -hmm. why is it that a dentist, that a dental practice is something that can be scaled, that can be, if you want to build it to sell it, if you want to build it and not have to put in 80 hours a week to maintain, right? Why is it that dentists can have the potential to do that, but a lot of their medical professionals, be they anesthesiologists, whatever they are, you don't hear as much of them being able to do that. Yeah. I mean, do you want me to take that, David? 
Oh, yeah. you you are the expert. You the man. You man. This is right up your alley. <laughs> well, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of challenges to the dental profession, right? Mm-hmm. And to rolling up and to scaling a dental operation. I'll tell you, as somebody that's owned 16 dental practices, I, I currently own six, but we have, you know, 15 dentists that work for us mm-hmm. and over a hundred people that work in our organization. So I'm 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 living, breathing, feeling it every single day. The problem with dentistry and the scale uh, to it is that it's not a 17-year-old kid flipping a hamburger or somebody that's at the cash register that has, you know, uh, that can be trained in in maybe a, a, an eight-hour shift or a three-hour a three-hour training uh, bout. This is somebody that has a very high level of training, a very expensive training, very specific skill set. But it's not just that; they also have to be. Per, a person that's personable. They, ha- they also have to have some compassion to them. And they also have to be a person of high moral standards. They have to be ethical. So you're looking for somebody that's highly trained, that's intelligent enough to get into a very competitive program, that gets all the way through, that masters their clinical skill set, has a nice personality, and is ethical. But aside from that, it's easy to find that person, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's nearly impossible to, to find these people. But the thing about dentistry, the, that's that's one of the challenges. But the, the positive side of this is 70, 77% of dentists that are practicing right now, over 180,000 dentists in the United States, 77% of those of those dentists are, are business owners, right? And that's down from five years ago when it was 84%. So it has just been indoctrinated into our culture that, that you will be either a mom and pop shop. And if you master that and do well with it, maybe you can have two, or maybe you can have a gigantic practice, right? So it's kind of in our genes as a profession to be entrepreneurial. Now, the reason that people like me exist is because we're not taught this stuff in dental school. You know, we graduate, they kick us out of dental school. We barely can do the clinical stuff, barely enough, barely good enough to not hurt somebody. They send us out into the world and say, hey, you have a year's experience. Uh, Mr. Banker says, here's a million dollar check. You can go buy a practice or you can go start a practice from scratch. Good luck. And you're like, I have no training. I have no idea what to do. So although it's in our DNA, although most dentists that graduate from dental school eventually want to own a dental practice and want it to thrive and do well, they're clinically based people. They're left brain, pragmatic, clinically based people that have zero business training. So, you know, it's just like any other, um, any other skill set in dentistry you know, we respect people that could do pulp and stainless steel crowns like the, like David can and sedate children and make their their um, experience comfortable with with conscious sedation. That is a skill set. There is also a skill set and we respect that and we respect the amount of training that it takes to get that. But practice management and understanding the business side of dentistry is also a skill set that a clinical mind typically doesn't give it enough respect right so you're you're trusted with this business and this million dollar loan and you're expected to figure it out as you go along nobody would say hey go figure out molar root canal on your and, and you know on your own nobody else would say hey go figure out iv sedation on your own 
but they say, hey, go figure out practice management on your own when the stakes are actually mm. quite high. We're not talking about life and death here, but we're talking about hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and your livelihood and the livelihood of everybody that depends on that organization. Yeah. It's not life and so, death. It's livelihood, which it's is different. Livelihood. It's different, but it's, you know, you got employees, you got people stakes feeding their family high. on your practice, yeah. you know, I mean, it's yeah. not, just, not just your family's wealth, but, you know, you said you get a folks, your practice has, you said over a hundred employees, right? Those folks are all feeding their families and putting their kids through college and, and creating their livelihood for their family through what the practice is built through the practices creating for them. Right. So, um, but it's so interesting that like many other uh, arenas of life, the, the uh, implementation, the how-to is not something that's taught in college. So the business side of it, the account, they probably didn't even teach you guys how to balance a checkbook in, um, in, nope. in, uh, in dental school, right? Oh, but no. they taught you how to pull a tooth out, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, kind of. Barrel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just barely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, you know, I think that we went through this wave of private equity, just loving dentistry and rolling up and, and um, consolidation just like happened in, in, um, you know, in medicine and in pharmacy and is now happening in vet um, and happened in funeral homes and happened in, you know, um, CPA firms, just about everything you can think of that is, you know, a profession or an industry has been rolled up by private equity to some degree or another. Mm -hmm. um, they're very, very attracted to dentistry because it's, it's, it's not a commodity. It's something that's necessary for everybody in the United States, right? Everybody has teeth or if they don't have teeth, they need replacement teeth. So it's, it's very durable as a profession as far as that goes. But I think, you know, the challenges of private equity in dentistry is that you have non-clinicians that are looking at P&Ls and balance sheets and they don't understand the ethics and the reality of providing good clinical um, and ethical treatment to the patient base. So it doesn't transfer exactly right over, um, but I think that you can do it well and you can do it ethically and right. You just have to have the right people on board and steering the ship. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so, so true. There, I mean, there's nothing I can add. He is the master. I, I think one of the, the best qualities that I saw was that you're meeting most of the people, when I'm waiting in line for, for the bar ticket or whatever, of course, I'm getting a club soda. I'm not a big drinker. <laughs> I had to wake up to go biking the next morning. There you go. I brought my bike on that trip. Yeah, I, st I was heavily in the training still. And because it was Arizona, I don't you know how often am I getting out there. But mm -hmm. you, you invited dental students mm -hmm. yeah. to your meeting. And that was powerful because if I had that kind of information that you offer, it, it, it's the best lecture it is the most you can learn in dentistry is what you provide during these sessions and they sat through and they were inspired and um and i, I think some of them will at least some of them will take action if not work with you yeah you know it's so, interesting I, to both of you guys and you i bet you both understand this you know for i i speak at dental my my goal I, I got rejected by 20 different dental schools to get into dental school so my goal was to speak and be invited to speak at every dental school on practice management right so I, i'm about halfway there uh half, half of them that half of them that turned me down so i wanted to go to all the schools that said no to me um 
It's a good yeah, thing to I, say I, from stage, right? That's right. You know? so, I was getting into one way or another, guys. You know. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> you guys all are you know in a in a better position than I was when I was applying for this school because you guys got accepted and I didn't. So that that's a great way to endear the audience to you. Yeah. But I will say, interestingly enough, David, uh, that you know when I go to a school, I usually get invited by a business. By, by a business club within the school or by the practice management professor. And, you know, if it's an after hours thing, um, sometimes they have pizza, sometimes they don't. But I'll say the most I've ever had from a single class is like 40%. And the other 60% couldn't be bothered with this information. Yep. Um, it's so interesting to me that, um, but it's not, it's it's interesting, but it's not shocking because it's clinically minded people that say, that will, I will figure that out. I just had to pass boards right now. Yeah, I will figure that out. I just need to pass this biochem quiz, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's the reality of it. Thank, thank you for saying that. And we do always have an open door for students, but not all of them are ready to, to receive the message. And isn't that true? Uh, I, I, I would expand that to the, to the, the, the people like, oh, I'll figure that out when the time comes. Uh, you know, that's true, I think, of all arenas of life in that, like the, the true financial management, true uh, taking the notes of mastery from other people that have figured it out a few steps further than you have to, to create the life that they want, whether that's financial or physical or whatever that may be. People say, oh, I'll figure that out. They'd rather learn it through the school of hard knocks than to work with somebody who's already figured it out, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's so, I, I think that it is a, a measuring stick to success. Those that say, no, I don't want to figure it out one day. I want to know now because I want to go here. I want to achieve financial independence or achieve financial success or just live the life I want. And it doesn't have to be be a billionaire. It means that I want to live the life I want and, and have time for myself and have the finances that enable me to have that life that I want. And I'm going to, uh, my wife always says, success leaves clues. Right. And yeah, so I'm that. going to go read the clues and talk to people that have been successful in my industry and not allow the school of hard knocks to teach me because that could take a lifetime mm-hmm. or I could learn it when I'm 28. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's super powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I also think that one of the things that happens too is it's not just new dentists or or new dentists that are coming out it's actually established dentists that it's we're the biggest culprit and i mean look at me i was whatever 43 44 when i started listening to your podcast i mean it and it took that i mean i was already preparing before i got in your podcast and i was listening every day but it was before that that like the mindset started to shift but it took that long Mm-hmm. It took that long. And then I see other dentists and medical prof- professionals now, and they're like, oh, I'm working. I get done. And then I go home, I get a paycheck and then that's it. And they don't want, they don't want to see the behind the scenes thing. They don't want to get involved. And because it's scary, it's something new. They're like, I already learned everything I need to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to tackle more. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, can, I, I think I mean, it's wonderful what you do. I can thank you very much. I can see where they're coming from. I mean, something new and something that seems so foreign and big. Um, you know, it's like, hey, man, we've paid our dues. Yeah. I, I, but you know, I've I've been through undergrad. I've been through dental school. I've been through the gauntlet of of practice ownership for the last, for the last five years. Uh, my results are what they are. You know, um, I'm just going to work a little bit harder and produce a little more. Take this clinical course if I want a little bit more money. You know, it's like, well, 
that's a little bit out of order. Let's fix the machine first. Let's fix the leaky bucket. And then you can pour more water into it and retain all that water. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, don't spend $15,000 on a marketing plan until you, you train your people how to answer the telephone and you fix your internal processes, right? Don't, don't uh, buy the CERAC machine or, or, or take the $25,000 implant course um, and attract more new patients before you know how to process them, before you know how to close treatment plans. You know, people love to do things out of order because they go towards, uh, they're magnetized towards their comfort zone and the things they're comfortable with typically in our profession, Matt, is, um, is clinical stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk about, if you wouldn't mind, because, and I'm sure you've talked about this in the meetings, but you take on coaching students, you you interview them first, but mm-hmm. talk about, because uh, you've had so many successes and I see all the black belts, but talk about if you wouldn't mind, if you don't want to talk about it, but the opposite of a success in someone that you oh, thought gosh. it would work out and then it didn't. Oh, there's, there's a lot of those too. You know, it's interesting because um, uh, it took me a long time to recognize that it wasn't about in- information. It wasn't about the amount of information. It was about the amount of collaboration it was about um, uh, the pupil's willingness to implement and to um, and to take our advice, you know, and to actually change uh, their routine in order to, you know, um, to get the results that that they were seeking, or that they are seeking rather. We've had lots of people that come in and they have high hopes, and you know, they look up to one or a number of our black belts and they say i just want to have that result but then when they when when we give them a prescription you know going back to the medical model when we give them a prescription when we give them a plan when we give them benchmarks um they 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 don't show up you know um there's something about the dopamine rush of paying somebody a large sum of money that makes you feel good about well i've done my part i gave you x number of dollars to coach me um you you coached me now you know, and mm. that dopamine rush, that good feeling sometimes lasts a long time. And, and, um, they don't recognize that you have to put in the work, no matter how much money you've paid somebody else, you personally have to look in the mirror and do the work. Um, our best students are people that are scrappers, people that it wasn't handed to people to people that struggle and that, um, uh, are willing to do just about anything to, to get the results that they're looking for with, you know, within their, you know, without, without going outside of their non-negotiables. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting that you asked that question because I was just reading an email, like literally when, when we were waiting for Matt to get back on, um, it was from, I was finishing it up. It was from this gentleman that I met a couple of years ago on the East Coast. And he's like, I, I, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you at a mastermind meeting. You spoke at the Academy of General Dentistry. I came up to you and we spoke for a couple of minutes. And I do remember him, his name is Jack. And um, he was talking about how, you know, when he was, um, 68 years old, he sold his practice and he had been, he'd been drinking a little bit too much and his marriage was starting to dissolve. And uh, he was 68 years old. He sold his dental practice. He had let it, he had let it lapse for about eight years. He sold it for $160,000. He hadn't spent a whole lot of time or energy or focus on practice management and, and, um, finances didn't have a retirement account at all, took the $160,000 at 68 years old and he went into treatment. I'm really glad that he did, but he went into treatment for depression and um, substance abuse and he got himself clean. Uh, spent about 60,000 of the 160. So his whole life at 73 years old now is $100,000 in the bank. And he was asking me if I knew anybody that was looking for an associate dentist in the in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's heartbreaking to see somebody that, 
you know, over a lifetime of opportunity when he could have gotten help, when help was just like literally a phone call away or an email away or, you know, one meeting away, um, one, one chance meeting uh, away from changing everything, but he didn't see it when, when those opportunities were in front of him and he never took those opportunities. So now he's 73 years old. He doesn't have any money. He's divorced. His kids are, are, are out of the house and he's starting over. Um, Mm. at least he has a skill set and he's got a positive attitude now and, um, and he's not addicted to any substances, but that's a heartbreaking story to me. Yeah. Um, It'd be great if he had that epiphany in his thirties versus in his seventies, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it does, I, you, they say you lead a horse to water, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and that, well, you know, let's hope Jack ends up okay there, but, uh, but geez. And and there's a lot of Jacks out there that are in other industries too. Um, Speaking of which, uh, I, I wanted to throw this out there to see what you thought, because you talked about you know private equity coming into the space. You talked yeah. about, you know, there's other folks like Jack that are, you know, that are dentists in the space that are trained and whatnot. But it makes me wonder about a bigger question that goes to both of you guys here. Where do you guys see the future of the dental industry? You know, it, it's changed a lot. Uh, I, you know, Dr. Mark, I'm sure you got your finger on the pulse and talking to your students and talking to the, you, you know, talking to you know, the, the powers that be in the world of, of around dental, where do you see the dental industry going? Is it going to become like the, like Mick dentist and it, like where it's just going to be like, it just uh corporatized by private equity. Do you see uh, going another direction? What's, what's your, if you did have a crystal ball, what, what would it tell you about the future of dentistry? Well, as David knows, it really depends on who you ask. Since mm-hmm. you're asking me, I'm I'll asking you. My yeah. <laughs> Since you're giving, asking me, I'll give you my opinion. Dentistry yeah. has has changed significantly in the 19 years since I've been since I got my license, um, for the better in some ways and for the worse in some ways. Mm-hmm. A big thing that's haunting our profession right now is is the rising cost of dental school education. The typical dental student graduates with $292,000 in debt, and the average income for the first year dentist is $150,000. So you can see that um, they are starting off in a huge, huge hole. That is something that needs to change or it's going to definitely affect our profession. 6,000 dentists graduate every year from dental schools and they're adding dentists, dental schools every year. Um, So 6,000 dentists graduate, $292,000 on average student loan debt. Big issue, Mm -hmm. big issue. Private equity coming in has been very interesting. Um, At one point, maybe seven or eight years ago, the maximum um, EBITDA multiples that people were getting to sell their practice or groups of practices, usually uh, groups of practices, because if you have EBITDA greater than 1.5 to $2 million, your your multiple significantly increases. That got all the way up to 18 times um, EBITDA. So that was really, really good. Now, white hot money is starting to 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 come out of dentistry a little bit, those those valuations, those multiples have have cooled quite a bit. Now we're looking at for a good for a good group, a really really good group, you're looking at six and a half times, uh, but the average is four to five five point five times EBITDA now. When they they I mean they ballooned way up there not that long ago. Private equity is going towards veterinary. It's it's interesting. I just heard of a group that got 24 times EBITDA for wow. the 50 practice group in the Northeast. So now, you know, my friends that are veterinary, uh, veterinarians um, are, are doing quite well and, and, uh, and uh, are getting that white hot money that dentistry got eight years ago. But I'll tell you, in my opinion, 
you know, we went from 84% uh, 84% practice ownership just five, six years ago to 77% practice ownership to the private dentist um, in today's day in 2021. Um, I think at some point that's going to level off. I think that entrepreneurship is just too deep in, in, in our genetics of dentistry as a profession. And that's me being very, very optimistic. Um, consolidation, I think, has its, its positives, um, but it has its limits as well. Um, I think that the patient base is at some point going to have to raise their hands and say, I'd rather go to you know, somebody like David or somebody like Dr. Mark who actually cares about his patient base. It feels like a family when you go in there. You can clearly see that they've trained their people on the, the latest technology and customer service. So, you know, the ball's in our court. It could go one way or the other. Mm. Um, but the dentists that I surround myself with, maybe I'm in a bubble, but the dentists that I surround myself with, if I was going to have to count on them to save the profession, I am more than confident that they would be able to do it. Mm. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, and and you're seeing it could go all corporate, you know, meaning like, you know, kind of like, like, like the hospital owned kind of thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I think I, was yeah. that? Happen to medicine, happen to yeah. pharmacy, mm-hmm. you know? Happen to pharmacy, you're right, you're right. CVS and Walgreens are way more prominent to see than a privately owned yeah. uh, pharmacy on the corner. And I joke that um, that perhaps Colgate-Palmolive uh, take over the dental industry or or the Procter & Gamble or whatever. It's like, hey, I want to make sure you buy- insurance companies, yeah. Boy, or the insurance, hey, I either want to make sure you use my insurance company or make sure you use Crest Toothpaste um, that make sure you use products that my company pushes. Uh, maybe that's where it goes. But at the end of the day, when I go to a dentist and I'm the non-dentist here, I want to be taken care of because there's a certain trust factor that it yeah. takes to kind of let mm-hmm. somebody put their hands in your mouth, you know, yeah. there's a yeah. certain level of, I, I'll say the word intimacy that it takes with a dentist to have them trust that, you know, they're, you're vulnerable there and everything like that. You want to feel taken care of and be greeted with a smile and be greeted with a culture that's warm and that feels welcoming and private equity. Sometimes that does kind of, those things don't end up getting transferred in private equity, that, that level of true. warmness and the, the level of, of trust and intimacy with the, with your dentist, you know? One of the cool things about Prescott, Arizona, where I live, is that mm-hmm. it's very few chain, chain restaurants and chains in general, right? Mm-hmm. If you go into Prescott Valley, which is growing a lot faster than Prescott is, um, you'll see more of that. But I mean, we have this really cool, vibrant, like um, small business community, right? So um, all the all the restaurants are mom and pop shops. There's a charm to it, and there's a there's just this um, pride of ownership that I don't think that you can get if you walk into a Chili's, right, <laughs> or an Olive Garden. It's like, oh wow, that was great. It's the same Olive Garden that I ate at, and you know, across the country, it's very consistent, which is good. Um, if that's what you're looking for, that's cool. But there's a certain charm that I mean, I would mm-hmm. never trade in my experiences at certain restaurants or with certain small business owners. Uh, for a chain, you know, it's just, that's just not how I roll. And I, I'm feeling like a lot of people in the United States feel that same way. I think mm-hmm. that extends to dentistry as well. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Yeah. I think uh, I, I can't change or add anything else. I mean, <laughs> going to a dentist is a very personal experience. They want to trust you. They want, they want that relationship because it is like how you said, Matt, intimate. 
It's yeah. extremely intimate. And they have to trust you. I mean, yeah, they, they, yeah. there's a level of not just them having your hands in your mouth, but they're, but they're, they're affecting a lot of the way you look, you know, and, and that. And, and that, like, I want to make sure you fix this impacted tooth or that you fix the cavity or that I'm in pain and that's why I'm here. And so I'm either in pain or I want my teeth to look good and into my, old, my elder years or whatever it is, I'm putting faith and trust into my dentist um, in that. And so you want to feel that. Uh, I, I, um, I, I, I totally get it. Um, so uh, on that, uh, uh, Dr. Mark, this has been a phenomenal interview. Uh, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to take a step into the final exam. When I uh, when I, I told you about this earlier, you told me I'm not a good test taker, and that goes for any <laughs> any good uh, fellow ADHD uh, compadre like myself. Um, you're probably not just like I'm not. It just takes too much focus to take a test, right? So. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. I want to be doing anything else but uh, taking a final exam. That's right, for sure. Right, right. Uh, for you well, guys, this is a fun one, and it'll yeah, only take okay. a couple of minutes. So that's this cool. is an okay. ADHD you friendly call like, final Matt. exam. If you don't want to answer it, Matt will answer the question for you. I know. Okay. We joke about that. You can just say pass, and that means David or I have to answer the question on behalf of you. Okay. Um, okay. So good. we're going to throw David. Now going to go back and forth and throw out a bunch of questions that'll help our audience have a little bit of fun here and here. Okay. Uh, that's some intricacies of your mindset here. So uh, I'll go first this time david well i think what? we know the answer to this one what's that the first one go I, for well, it. you can't pick your own so okay. what book or film changed your life so if you did write a book uh dr mark you can't pick your own book but what book or film changed your life i mean i i literally probably read or listen to three or four books a, a month right but the one that was the trajectory changing book for me we talked about was think and grow rich um, yes there have been equally good books that I've come across, but at that part, that, you know, period in my life, it changed everything. And it, I think, I mean, it was like, it was like imprinting, right? It, it actually opened up my mind, opened up this compartment of my mind that I don't know would have been opened up if I wasn't so ready to receive that information at that age. So Think and Grow Rich was probably absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and we, we could we could have seen that coming, but it was a phenomenal book and it's changed a lot of lives. So absolutely yeah. great, uh, great book. Hill. Yeah, Napoleon Hill. Uh, what's one healthy habit that you wish more of your patients did? What one healthy habit? You know, it's just, I'm not going to go dental here. I'm going to go, I'm going to do, um, just be aware of the fuel that you're putting into your body, Ooh. right? 70% uh, of the United States population is overweight or obese. Seven zero, seventy 70%. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really, really an epidemic. Um, and... I really believe that the quality of people's lives, just because our life life expectancy has gone up, that doesn't mean that the quality of life has improved. You know, we just have better ways to keep people alive, um, regardless of what they do to, to their bodies on a chronic basis. So I just wish that people would be more aware of the benefits of exercise and the, and the fuel that they put into their body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what is uh, one wealth tip you wish you had learned earlier in life? Jeez. Oh, so many, <laughs> I made so many mistakes and tried to do it myself. The one thing that I would tell people, um, you know, I get this question a lot from dentists, you know, uh, from first, for first year dentists, it's like, I owe $350,000 in student loan debt. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I need to buy a new car. Um, and I need to, I need a mortgage, right? Well, you do need a roof over your head and you do need four wheels. When I graduated, I lived with my parents for six months with my brand new wife. So we could save up money for the down payment for our house. And I drove my dad's, you know, 1990 RAV4, right? So 
my yeah, I had <laughs> one of those too. back then it was <laughs> it was already 12 years old back then you know so um the bottom line here is that don't get sucked into the necessity to try to keep up with everybody else mm-hmm. right you don't need to go out to prove to everybody that now I'm a dentist um I made I made the right move by ch- picking dental school I finally made it I'm going to sign on for this $1200 a month BMW don't get sucked into that that is if somebody would have just told me that well actually that was just ingrained in me because of my because of my immigrant experience but if somebody would tell some of these young docs that they would save so much misery in their lives if they just said if somebody just said live within your means and put just a little bit away every single month i mean what's the number matt you might know this they say that um if you start when you're 25 years old a dollar saved will be worth 88 times what it what what it was um, when you're 65 years old. If you compound it, yeah. If you it's, compound it's, it. It's absolutely astronomical what compounding yeah. interest and what early investment and early savings can do uh, yeah. in, in life. It, it can be, it can change you from one way or the other, investing in in, in your early and mid twenties versus starting investing at, at 60. Yeah, create that, create yeah. that, you know, that fleet of soldiers out there, you know, put that money to work. So yes, pay down your, pay down your debt, live within your means, but also put your money to work for you. Be disciplined enough to put 10% of your paycheck down um, as you as you go on in your career um, and allow that the, the miracle of compounding interest to work for you. And as you start making more money, it's not the initial 10%, it's the 10% of every paycheck. So if you're making 300,000 <laughs> instead of 150, it's 10% of the 300,000, not 10% of the 150 that you started off. That's right, that's right. Anyway, I could talk about this all day as you guys can tell. It's good stuff, this is great stuff. Yeah. All right, so there's gonna be multiple answers to this one, but what do you do for fun? Oh, geez. Right now, I try to do things that I'm not good at. And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, it's not fun while I'm doing it, but overall it's fun. So um, I'm, I'm into personal aviation now. We um, we are blessed enough to be able to, to buy an airplane. So we have an airplane. Um, we are able to employ a full-time pilot, but at the same time, I'm a student pilot right now. So I'm getting my pilot's license uh, so I can sit uh, and be helpful to him in the right seat so I can be a co-pilot. Um, I'm learning on Cessna 172. My plane is much bigger than that. So I'll I'll probably never get all the instrument ratings and all the stuff necessary to um necessary to fly the plane that I own, but at least I'll be competent enough to talk to the tower. I'll be able to 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 look at the gauges and know what's going on. And if if God forbid something happens to my pilot, I'll be able to land the airplane. That's my that's my ultimate goal. But I mean, you know, just as I get older, I am more drawn to these things that I've always wanted to do that I've put off. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being a late 40s, early 50s novice. In fact, mm-hmm. I, in fact, it, every time I do something that I'm not good at, it makes me feel young again. You know, yeah. um, when I get on the mat and I'm doing some some different type of martial arts that I've never done before, you know, I'm a striker, I'm, I'm a kickboxer. Whenever I'm rolling around doing jujitsu with some of my friends, they make me look like a pathetic white belt. And I love it because it's, it's, it's opening up a part of my brain that had never been stimulated before. So, um, I just, when you're asking what I do for fun, it's anything that I'm not good at and anything that, uh, anything that challenges me. We all have our need for uncertainty, right? And, uh, and that you're scratching your uncertainty niche a bit there by, uh, by creating environments that, that are uncertain and are unknown to you. It's, it's, uh, it's really inspiring. Uh, and yeah. not enough people, uh, put themselves in uncomfortable situations. 
you know, um, and that's, I love, I love that you're doing that. Thank you. Nothing happens. No progress is made, you know, inside your comfort zone. Nothing, no, nothing worth accomplishing is done in a comfortable environment. Bottom line. Absolutely. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, geez, this is a tough one. I want to continue to grow, uh, the, um, the Institute that we have created. Um, I want to be able to affect more more people in a positive way. I want to work more with dental students and students in general. Um, I will be very close to an empty nester in five years. So I want to to start planning the next chapter of our lives with with my wife Leslie. Um, and you know, I am making inroads into expanding into other areas as far as I'm doing, I'm, I'm about to create a podcast for general entrepreneurs, not just dentists. Ooh. I'm writing a book for general entrepreneurs, not just dentists. Mm. Um, and I, I just want to start checking some stuff off of uh, the big bad um, bucket list. Um, yeah. Just, well, don't just, go there. Just, we got to, we got to, there's a bucket list question coming up here, but okay, okay, I, um, okay. I, 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 sh- I will compliment that. I know that I have seen that a lot of your technology and a lot of your uh, life skills that you, that are, that are a part of, of what you teach can be applied to anyone, including any entrepreneur any anyone that really, um, wants to create their own financial future and live the life of their dreams, uh, can do it off the scripts that you've built currently for dentists, but also could be applied for other people too. Thanks, so, man. Dr. Eggy, next financial, next final I got question. I got so enthralled in that. All right. When you were a kid uh-huh. and, and, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, yeah. Before I ran into the fence. Yeah, before right. the fence. I, yeah, this I, was, you know, when a kid kid. Yeah, yeah. Old. So, you know, I, I had this delusion that um, I was going to be a professional athlete. You know, uh, first I thought I was going to be baseball. Then I switched over to football. Then I thought I was going to be an MMA fighter. So it was always something in athletics because athletics was what pulled me through all the tough times. And that's that's the only thing that I felt like the, that I was generally, I mean, that I was really, really interested in, not generally, but specifically interested in was athletics. So I thought I was going to be a professional football player. I thought I was going to be a slot receiver um, like Danny Woodhead or uh, Wes Welker, or one of those guys that drag across the middle because I was short. I was fast as lightning, but I was short. And um, that's what I ended up playing. I played uh, one year of college football before I hurt my back and broke my collarbone. But um, that's what I played was slot receiver. So up all the way up until then, I was holding out hope until I realized there is a huge difference between high school athletics and collegiate athletics. And Absolutely. then I also realized <laughs> that there's a huge difference between collegiate athletics and professional athletics. So I put that, I put that, uh, that dream to rest, but I will tell you, uh, my son who is going to be a senior next year and he's good enough to play um, at the collegiate level for soccer. And he's not sure now that he wants to play. I said, you know what? I, even though I only played one year of collegiate football, I would always wonder what if, if I at least didn't try it that one year. Yeah. So, so my advice to him is if you have even the slightest interest, I recommend you going out there. If, if you get a scholarship offer, take it. We can, we can pay for your college, but if you get a scholarship offer, take it, try it for a year. You commit yourself to a year. You're not going to quit before the end of that year. But if you don't want to do it after that, then you can walk away and you can know for a fact that you gave it a shot and you chose to leave. Um, 
So better, better than asking that question the rest of your life, right? That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And, and and I can definitively say I gave it a shot and it was not going to happen. You can answer the question. Yeah. Like I can Buffalo answer the question. Buffalo Bills, no, no, not, not, no, Buffalo, not the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's not happening for this guy, but, but that's, that's, that's what I wanted to be. Right. Good stuff. Uh, last final exam question. What is one bucket list item you have not completed? Oh, gosh. I want to, I want to. I want to climb really tall mountains. You know, I don't know if it has to be Everest. Um, Alistair and I are talking about maybe doing Kilimanjaro this year. That's like the baby of the of the seven peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that I really want to do. That's I on also, my bucket list also. I'll, yeah. I'll go with you. Let me know when you're going. We'll go. I'll, okay. me, me and Iggy will come with. So, <laughs> so the, uh, things that, the things that have always been there that, are, that have always just been pushed and pushed and pushed. Pilot's license, second language. Um, uh, what was it? Pilot's license, second language, and then uh, climbing. Climbing. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, you've, you've checked at least. Do you, do you speak a second language or just? I'm not. Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. And I love no. I love all things Spanish. So, and my wife is Hispanic. So I, I got to learn. There learn. you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Mark, it's been phenomenal having you on the show. Thank you. Uh, for those that uh, that want to hear more about you, that want to reach out, that want to find out more about all your offerings and your educational uh, outlets and things like that, or just to get to know you in general, how would they do that? Yeah, I would love to meet anybody that's interested. Uh, just go to truedentalsuccess.com. That's my main business website. Um, you can find me on socials at Dental Success Institute, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. That's awesome. great. Uh, Dr. Mark, it's been great having you, Dr. Iggy. I know you're, you've always been a big fan about Dr. Mark and you were huge you fan. I launched this Not podcast. a big fan, huge fan. I was like super excited. Yeah. Like I said to everybody, I had to take a cold, uh, sit in my cold tub just to get calmed down enough so I could sit <laughs> still for this, uh, for this episode. So greatly, greatly appreciated for you coming on. This was amazing. I love hearing your story. I love hearing you talk. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll have have you back again soon, Dr. Mark. Thanks for your time today. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Wow, Dr. Iggy. What a show. Oh, my God. I'm standing here beside myself. I I am full of energy. I am charged. I I wish I could wake up at 4.30 every morning and only sleep six hours. That's I want a 5,000 square foot gym in my garage. Oh, you do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. Yeah. We'll just yeah. put it outdoors. Your neighbors. My, na- my neighbors would balk a little bit. Like, what did you, what happened? What is this? You know, like I had uh, Dr. Marcostas, his friend has one. So he needs a basketball court and, uh, and a, uh, and, and a CrossFit studio in his garage. Yeah, 5,000 square feet is really big. That's no joke. Yeah. 5,000 square feet. You would have is... to scream on the other I side. Had to, I had to keep my cool when he said that because I'm a real estate guy. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you, you put a zero in there on your math or wow, or that's a monstrous growth. <laughs> like, well, maybe you meant 50,000. I could have been a 50, warehouse. Right. Yeah. Right. Warehouse. You know, you could put it's my an Amazon warehouse. Yeah. It's an Amazon. <laughs> that's a lot of CrossFit you're doing. Um, Great show, great learnings. Uh, Dr. Mark Costas is officially, uh, you know, he, he gets he gets a check in my book and we'll hopefully have him back oh, yeah. on soon. Um, well, uh, lots of great lessons there. I hope you guys learned something. If you guys want to hear more about me and Dr. Iggy, do not delay. Go to mattniggy.com, Matt and I-G-G-Y, mattniggy.com, and you can join our mailing list. I-G-G-Y. I, the super G. Super G. Are we going to start beatboxing now? 
No, I can't no, do it. No, it's not going to happen. happen. You can carry us out with the beatbox if you can, man. That's not my thing. I wish I could. Not my thing. I said it again. It's thang. <laughs> cool. All right, guys, enough of us. Go go carry it. Go, go have a profitable. Go have a profitable day. Go do something amazing. We appreciate you guys listening to our show and hope you guys check us out in the next one and check us out at mattniggy.com. Take us home, Dr. Iggy. Thanks for listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Guys show with Matt and Dr. Iggy. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you like what we do, please check us out at mattniggy.com. Thanks for listening again and have a great day.